what is going on everybody welcome back it is dog talk with your host holden glad to have you guys here as we get ready to prep up for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party happening saturday at 3 30 on cbs georgia taking on the florida gators uh this season in a season that's been a little down for the gators but for the dogs it's been right where things have left off over the past two seasons the past five meetings in this matchup have gone georgia's way four of the last five times that only time that it didn't was in that 2020 season where georgia was down a bit and florida just so happened to catch a little bit of a lightning in the bottle because the year after that georgia throttles 34 to 7 and last year 42 to 20 as well so georgia has been able to handle this meeting here over the last really i'd say six years that 2017 season was also a big year for georgia uh, but Georgia does also lead this series 55-44-2 out of the 101 meetings that they've had. And Georgia looks to continue on that same trend and try to move that to 56-44-2 come Saturday. Um, some some of the news that's kind of come out, obviously we know Brock Bowers is out uh, for, for the foreseeable future. We'll see when he comes back. I'd be really surprised if you see him in this. I did not see what Kirby said as far as his travel, uh, if he's going to be traveling with the team down to this game in Jacksonville just to travel or what exactly. But nonetheless, that's kind of the biggest news with exception to everything that's going on with Michigan because I think at this point you just kind of have to talk about something about it, you know, because it's just part of what's going on in the news right now. And uh, my, I, I really don't know what to feel, to be honest with you. Like part of me is like, okay, you know, how, how effective is this? You know, Kirby even said in his press conference that uh, it, it didn't seem to really matter considering the last time they played, but that's that's been a couple of years now, and, and, and they seem to be kind of keeping a closer eye on what's been going on with Georgia ever since. And then obviously in the offseason coming into this season, there was the Georgia Beat Week or whatever it was, whatever their practice skill that they're doing, trying to prep for that. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I don't really know the extent of this, but I do know that if somebody is going to games on purpose, uh, I, part of me is kind of surprised that there's the potential of somebody being in Sanford Stadium filming, watching, whatever it is that they're doing. Because, you know, you, you have to be taking notes. And and I don't see very many people at a football game that are taking notes. You know, at a baseball game, you know, you got the guys who, who they, they bring their own scorecard. They kind of keep up with the game in that way themselves but you really don't see that in football so I, w- I would be surprised in, in Sanford that somebody wouldn't say hey what what are you doing if somebody's writing something down or, or or filming something whatever it is that's going on I don't know exactly how they're doing it but there is a a pretty serious paper trail as far as you know transactions that have been made between this this uh, I'm just going to call him an analyst for the team but the the most criminating kind of things that i've seen is is obviously the looks like a play sheet that's on the sideline and then this guy that's standing next to an offensive coordinator when when michigan's on offense and next to the defensive coordinator when he's on defense maybe i'm reading that all wrong but but i don't know i really don't know how to feel about it you know obviously it's wrong um anytime that you're taking advantage of a team uh pre like pre-game ahead of what's coming I think that's an issue. Obviously, in-game, if you start to kind of figure out what some of the calls are, I think that's what they consider uh, just normal sign-stealing, you know, in a game when somebody figures out, okay, if they do this, that means this. 
Um, this is different, though. We're talking about uh, like premeditated, having already figured all this stuff out ahead of time. And it really does kind of make me a little bit curious, at least, what's been going on over the past couple of years that they've been doing this. Is this the reason that Michigan has all of a sudden taken this step up, taken these leaps forward? I don't know. Um, obviously, the players still have to make the plays, but you know, when you have a, a head knowledge of what's coming, you know, beating on a trash can in a in a in a World Series, you know, you kind of have a little bit of a head a heads up. Um, and I know there's some out there that have said you still have to make the play, uh, so it's it's not necessarily just that easy. Uh, it it kind of is. I mean. If, if you're running a play and you're running to the outside, they know which way you're going and yada, yada, you're going to be able to defend that in the same way in the past and a bunch of other situations. So just kind of interesting, kind of kind of interesting there. We're going to see what happens with that as time comes. Um, I know I was talking to Hunter about this earlier today, and we were talking about, uh, you know, I think this is just kind of Harbaugh's way out. Not necessarily his way, but I think he knows he's headed out the door at some point anyway. So, you know, that's just speculation, but – I mean, my goodness, just just a lot. Lots been going on this year with Michigan and a team, honestly, preseason that I was like, I, if there's going to be a year for Michigan to win it, I think it's this year. They have the team, I think, to do it. Now, they haven't pre- played anybody, like truthfully played somebody who is like, all right, well, you have to prove it. Some of those games are coming for them. And not that Georgia has, but Georgia has at least had competition across the field that I think is far more superior than the teams that Michigan has had to play so far this season. Now, consistently, they have consistently stopped teams from scoring, and they have consistently put points on the board. So as far as that goes, they have looked good in that right. Uh, But they still got a lot of football to play and a lot of tougher opponents that are on the way. We're going to see what happens with that as things go. I'm going to try not to speculate as much as I do kind of in my head. because we really just don't know. And until we know, that's just all kind of part of it. But, hey, I'm glad to have you guys here with us. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at DogTalk20. Same at there over on Instagram. Not live on YouTube tonight. We'll have it back up and going probably next week. Um, I, I'm not really sure about the Sunday episode. I know this coming Sunday episode will not be uh, – it'll probably be later. You'll probably get it Monday morning, if not Monday evening. So something to kind of note on that and i'll try to get the youtube channel back up and running uh when that time comes but anyways let's kind of get into wrapping up what we got going on here with the with the show and with the game that we have on tap again it's georgia it's it's florida it is a bitter heated rivalry a game that we don't like them they don't like us it's all there is to it and it's happening at 3 30 i know i made this sound last last week when we were talking with hunter in the in the off week conversation that we had but again, I don't know how many more times we're going to hear this. And uh, I think for most of us, that's kind of like a, oh, thank goodness, because nobody wants to hear Gary anyways, right? <laughs> that's what we always say into it. Uh, but Carson Beck, so far on the season's looked really good, really good. Over 2,000 yards already on the season, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions on the year. And Graham Mertz is who he's going up against. He's almost 1,900 yards on the season. Same thing, 12 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Uh, so for as as – wishy-washy as florida has been florida has been able to put some games together and win a couple of games that i did not anticipate them winning especially with the way that they opened the season against utah earlier in the season which now utah has proven to actually be a pretty decent team let's see if they can keep the role going as they get on i think they're playing oregon this week so that's been a kind of thorn in the side of Oregon here, especially last year. So let's see if that changes anything this year. And it could have been the year before that, too, that, that Oregon really just 
couldn't get the job done against Utah. I think they eventually have to. But regardless, Florida has at least started to play a little bit better than I anticipated them playing this season. Does that change my mentality as far as the outcome of this game goes? No. And and a lot of that is because I still think Georgia is a much better football team than the team that they're going to run up against on the other side of the field. And that's just part of it for me at least. But Carson Beck I think is going to be a big part in this game. I think he has to be big. Obviously, we don't have Brock Bowers there, but I think this is a great opportunity uh, for, for Oscar Delp to really shine and show his his worth on the team. Not that Not that we don't know what it is already, but this is his opportunity to step up and shine. Um, and I don't think he has to have a game where he's receiving like 100 yards in this game. I, I think if he is pl- pass blocking, if he's run blocking successfully and occasionally he gets open and makes a couple of plays and puts up 40 yards, that's a, that's a successful day uh, for him in the tight end room. Um, I, I don't think you can expect – a Brock Bowers performance out of an Oscar Delp. I think you should look for an Oscar Delp performance in the same way that he deserves to have his own chops for his own name, the same way we've done for Brock. I think that Oscar deserves to have that same accolade towards his own name. It's, it's oh, man, we, we, we've got another guy over here in Oscar that we can count on and uh, let him make a name for himself as he comes into this, not just because he's having to fill the shoes of somebody who you really can't fill the shoes of. Kirby talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You know, you can't really replace Superman. Not that Brock is, but you understand where the analogy was kind of going with that. Some of the other stat leaders for Georgia, DeJon Edwards does carry the charge in the running back's room, 460 yards on the season, six touchdowns. Right now, again, the receiving leader, it was Brock Bowers, right at 567 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, he's leading the charge, linebackers, 23 tackles, four tackles for loss. Tyke Smith, four interceptions on the season, so he's looking really good as we kind of get geared into this game. I think the game is still sitting at like 13 and a half as far as the spread goes on it, and we'll kind of get up to that in just a minute. Keys to the game in this one. Offensively, I think one of the big ones. We've talked about this week in and week out, and let's see if it, let's see if we can do this is, is, is my biggest part of it. And it, we cannot have turnovers. These are the kind of football games, to me, when it matters the most. Again, when you're having the turnovers against Vanderbilt, uh, you, you can slip by. When you have the turnovers against Auburn at Jordan-Hare, you're lucky that it's a daytime, but when you have those turnovers against Auburn, you're lucky to win that football game, and I think we were. I think, again, champions find a way to win the game, but that was kind of one of those, hey, this this really could go either way if you're, if you're giving the ball up as much as you are. And then, again, when you're doing it against UAB and some of these smaller teams, you can get away with that, but I think if you're doing this in Jacksonville, a game that's already going to have a lot of hype behind it, you know, they're coming to give you everything they got. I mean, every week you have a target on your back, and every team's going to give you everything that they possibly can to beat you because you have the number one next to you. Uh, next Tuesday, we're going to see what happens when the college football playoff committee comes out and they start ranking. You know, I don't know if some of this with the allegations that are going on against Michigan right now, does that hinder what the college football playoff committee thinks that they should be ranked? I don't know. I think they're going to base everything off of what has happened thus far this season. And there's a strong possibility that they put an Ohio State, uh, possibly even above Georgia, just because they have a couple of top ten wins. Um, we're going to see. You know, I, it doesn't matter until we get to December. You know, you've you've got to win out in the East. You've got to win the SEC championship game, and then you have no concern. You, as they say, destiny is in your hands. All you got to do is win. And if you keep winning – then you're going to be right where you need to be at the end of the year. So back to the keys of the game in this entire situation here. No turnovers again. 
Don't do that against Florida. I think you can be successful in this game. Pass protecting is another part of that. Again, Oscar Delp has to step up in this situation and be a good pass pro- pass blocking tight end off the edge there. Also on the running side of things, too, it can't just be pass pro. But I think that's probably going to be a big part in this Florida, I expect them to kind of pin their ears back and come and try to get after Carson Beck and make him make plays. The good thing is, Dejon Edwards, you know, looking really good, been very healthy. Kendall Milton beat up here and there. You know, I think he was beat up in that Vandy game coming off of it and didn't really play in the second half. So hopefully he, over these past couple of weeks, is kind of getting back into shape. Um, And that was one of the things we talked about, too. It's a great time for a bye because some of these guys who are a little dinged up, a little beat up, it gives them the opportunity to kind of get healthy. And that's the last key offensively is run the ball. And I know that sounds like a that's not really a key. That's just something to do. Absolutely, but let's run it. Run the ball because I think we've been successful in years past against Florida at running the ball. And I think we can be again. Again, don't want to get one-dimensional, but I think if you're running the ball successfully, it kind of opens things up as as well for that, uh, you know, play-action pass. Um, and it seems to work. It seems to work for Georgia either way. On defense here, quarterback pressure, we got to get in the face of Mertz. I think if you're giving him all day to be able to sit back there and, and, and just throw, he's going to throw the ball successfully against you. Um so that's that's a big part of me. And then I want to see us create these turnovers. You know, we talked about Tyke Smith right there, four interceptions so far on the season. Let's see us get that havoc rate up, and let's see us start to be more successful. I don't know where Georgia ranks as far as the turnover margin goes, but I would imagine it's not very good. I would imagine in the SEC it's probably pretty low, and in the country it's probably pretty low. And that's because Georgia, most of the time, is the one turning the ball over, and that stinks. It stinks to, to look at your team and go, okay, well, Georgia's not very good as far as holding on to the ball, and we're not doing nearly as much as far as getting the ball back. So let's create some turnovers in this one. And then probably one of the biggest ones that Georgia has been very successful at offensively and defensively is getting off the field on third down. Offensively, we're we're extending drives, but then defensively getting off the field. And then that red zone defense is probably one of the other keys that I could have put in here too. But it's just going to be creating that quarterback pressure getting turnovers, and then also getting off the field on third downs. Georgia does come into this game 40.1 points to the game. That's still seventh in the country, and then 14 is what we're giving up average, which is also, oddly, seventh in the country, so both offensively and defensively. That's what Georgia's giving and getting. Let's see, offensively, we're averaging right at about 337 yards through the air on the ground, 172 so far, right now, we're sitting at like 509 yards of offense a game, which is pretty successful, and I think that's pretty good for a Georgia team uh, that at the beginning of the year, again, slow starts. Everybody's talked about the sluggishness of what Georgia's offense has been in the first half, especially the first quarter. But to see you're putting up five, you're averaging 509 yards a game, that's pretty doggone good. And again, you're seventh in the country offensively. Defensively, you're giving up about 262 yards just over that, right at 263 on defense. I think that's pretty good. You're keeping them under 100 yards on the ground at 91.4, and about 171 yards is what we're giving up uh, through the air right there. But I think Georgia has a good opportunity to win this game and win it pretty handedly. Again, I need to look at the line. I think it's like 13 and a half, right at 14. It may, it, it may have shifted a little bit. Uh, I've seen a lot of the projections come out to this score being like 38 to 24. 
Um, I think Georgia's defense makes makes this game a little bit tougher for Florida. I kind of see this as like a 38-17 to 17 final on my score prediction of it. And I could really see this like a 38-10 to 10 and then a late score by Florida to kind of get it a little bit closer there uh, in the fourth quarter. So that's where I have it on this one, 38-17 to 17 on the score prediction. Now, some other big games that are going on around the country – We'll sweep through them really, really quickly. And I know I'm kind of breezing through this episode pretty quickly. Um, but again, we're just kind of previewing this one. And once we get back into shape of things come Sunday night or either whenever this comes out on Monday for you guys, uh, we'll, we'll kind of amp it back up with some more info from a game previous and obviously some of the stuff that's coming up as well. But some of the other games that are going on around the country this weekend, you got number four, Florida State taking on Wake Forest. That's at 12 o'clock. Indiana and Penn State, that's number 10, Penn State playing there. Number six, Oklahoma at Kansas. Not one to sleep on. Kansas has been known to kind of ruin things for teams, especially Kansas State. Uh, then the, you got the big one there at 3 o'clock. You got number eight, Oregon at number 13, Utah. Pitt at, at number 14, Notre Dame. BYU at number seven, Texas. Texas without Quinn Ewers, too, in this game. So uh, moving forward from them, that's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on. Also in the 3 o'clock slate, number 20, Duke at number 18, Louisville. Can Duke kind of bounce back after that loss last week to FSU? USC at Cal. That one's at 4 o'clock. USC has dropped all the way down to 24th in the country. Number five, Washington at Stanford. Number 20, this is a big one. This is a big one at 7 o'clock in the nighttime slate in Lexington, Kentucky. Number 21, Tennessee traveling up to Kentucky uh, in that game. I think that one's got a chance to be a really big game. It's one that I'm not going to pick because I, I'll just be honest with you, I really think this is an opportunity for Kentucky to show up and, and kind of quiet Tennessee. But this is also the opportunity for Tennessee to show up and really smack Kentucky around. I don't know. This is where I think we kind of see what these teams truly are. We're deep enough in the season. Uh, you should start kind of kind of feel how teams are going to be as they move forward. You got number three, Ohio State at Wisconsin. Colorado at number 23, UCLA. Vandy at number 12, Ole Miss. Number 17, North Carolina at Georgia Tech. That one at 8 o'clock. And then the nighttime slate at 10 o'clock. You get number 11, Oregon State at Arizona. So those are a couple of the big ones. A couple of them that are going on right now, Georgia Southern and Georgia State. Southern, last I looked, had a pretty good lead on uh, on Georgia State earlier. And then Virginia Tech, I think, was actually spanking Syracuse as well. So some of the kind of strange games that have been going on. Liberty did win earlier in the week, 249 to 49-29. 42-29, actually, is what that was. So that's some of the other games that are going to be going on around the country. And then I've got my picks of the week. As well, this is how they shape up. I got Georgia over Florida. I got FSU over Wake Forest. North Carolina over Georgia Tech and Ole Miss over Vandy. Yes, that is four easy ones. I told you guys this is what I was going to do the week previous when we were playing Vandy to try to get my stats kind of built back up, and I did not do a very good job at doing that. I I really picked some other games that I probably shouldn't have, and it kind of came back to bite me, but this I'm going four pretty easy games. Should be like a parlay to win something. but we'll see. We'll see how things are because the old rankings have not been good. I'm under 500 on the season. Don't want to do that. So let's see if we can bump it above 500 on the season here in this one. So 
again, I know that's a pretty quick kind of a preview for you guys there, but I will be back on YouTube, like I said, later on this week. If it's not this weekend, it'll be next week as we get ready to move forward with the season. But Georgia, so far, number one in the country still. Again, coming up on Tuesday, we have the college football playoff committee will be coming out with that ranking. So that's when things start to get a little bit more important. But we'll check in with you guys after the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Go dogs. <laughs>